0: achieve our full potential your journey to transformation begins right now let's Ah. do this let's do this this is Tracy Harrell and you are tuning in to bigger than me and I am super excited about today so today on the show for those of you who may or may not know this show is all about empowerment right it's about you know thinking about our personal journey I started the show two years ago by the way, with Hubbard. I started a radio show two years ago when I was writing my first book. And the book is called Our Journey, Our Dreams, The Art and Science of Being Aware and Getting There. And obviously it was about Having individuals share their life's journey, talk about dreams that they've accomplished, and really help people to move from being aware to actually getting there, closing the gap between things that they want to accomplish and actually bringing in research. You know, I've read like a thousand books, a hundred books that I can tell you I read or or listened to multiple times. Forty of the top books around success and happiness are now metabolized as a part of my DNA. So I feel like I got a little something, something to share. But it's not about the research, right? It's about the people that are doing great things, and so. It's not a political show. Let me just say that. It's about love and making the world a better place. But it's kind of cool when you have someone who's running for uh, political office who's also trying to make the world a better place. So today, for those of you who are watching, we have Miss Pat Murakami? Murakami. Murakami. Right. All righty. So I met you recently at a TABOR 100 meeting. And what do you know about TABOR?
1: Well, I know that they're an organization... uh, Form to Help uh, Promote Black Businesses, uh, and, and especially with regard to contracting with uh, government agencies. That's part
0: of it, and we'll yes. come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a B-plus on that okay. one. We're going to have people from Tabor come back and actually talk about that organization. Um, it's amazing. I actually just joined so my, my, my career, I spent 25 years in corporate America. So eight years at IBM, 14 years at Disney, my last five at Microsoft. I've, al- I've always been engaged in um, nonprofit. So I'm president of a nonprofit organization called the National Black MBA Association, who their, their overall mission is economic and intellectual empowerment, which is pretty cool, right? So mm-hmm. my first job out of college was due to someone I met at the National Black MBA Association. So it's all very cool. So my, my passion is for community and for service. But right now, I'm no longer in corporate America. I've officially started my own business, so I'm a new member of Tabor, and they focus on entrepreneurship. They focus on equality, and just, they're amazing. So we'll talk about Tabor another time. But I met her with about six other candidates for Seattle City Council, um, and, and I, was, I was actually moved by, by your, your, your message. And so I I offered up the show, and you graciously accepted. And the more I learned about you and your family, your son, who's a paramedic, a full-time student, your husband. I mean, there's just so much about you that I really like. So today we're going to be talking to Ms. Pat. Pat, introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. And even though this is not a political show, we're going to ask her to tell us why should people vote for you.
1: Okay. Well, again, I'm Pat Murakami. Uh, I've lived in Seattle since 1975. I've lived in the district I'm running for, which is District 3 for 40 years. Wow. My my son was born and raised there. So uh, I've lived in different neighborhoods throughout that district, and it means a lot to me. And I'm running because, well, as I told you before the show, <laughs> Seattle is <laughs> a hot mess. <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't always that way. When I uh, <laughs> fell in love with it, it was a very different city. And now it's a city that's That's really not serving, uh, especially those in need. And some people have begun to ask, um, is the city working for us or are we working for the city?
0: And who are you going to be working for?
1: I'll be working for the people of my district and the residents of Seattle. I
0: love it. And your district, what I love about it, people who are watching this around the country, uh, she called it District 3, but we call it the CD. Right. The Central District. Yes. Is it the hood Partly, yes.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's where the hood used to be. I mean, the city policies have decimated it, but it, it's where the, the real hood
0: used to be. <laughs> By hood, we simply mean, so no one get offended. I'm black, so don't get offended. <laughs> By hood, I mean, it was there was a huge concentration of African Americans in that space. It was a safe space. It was a thriving community. It was where... I would consider going to find my people, Right. like going home, yes. finding communities, families who had lived there for generations. That's my people. Those right. are my people. And so, you know, I guess you could talk a little bit about um, the transition, kind of how things have, have transformed in the CD. We'll have other people to talk about that too, but apparently it was that transformation, the things that you've seen happen that have really made you want to make a difference.
1: Correct. And back in the... Um late 60s early 70s about 80 mm-hmm. percent of the people that lived in the central district were black today that's down to 14 percent that's terrible and that's because of bad city policy did you hear that
0: people is that decentrification yeah is that it, what it's it, called? It, well it's gentrification gentrification and, yeah
1: and and it's gentrification it's, it's intentional and purposeful it's not by accident that that
0: happened and, and what I, oh, by the way, let me introduce my uh, co-host, Coochie, in a little bit. I don't know if we want to kind of get you in. So, Mike, get him in a position so that when you do your your, your shot, all three of us are in together. So he's he's an aspiring actor. He's amazing and gorgeous. He's been <laughs> on my show before. Trey is actually going to be manning the phone lines for future shows as well. But mm-hmm. you spent some quality time with Miss Pat. So would you introduce yourself? Yeah, and um, of course. Yes,
2: So my name is Trey John white I go by Trey for short. Um, I'm 23. I was born and raised here in um, Washington, actually uh, more on the south end, Tacoma area. Um, um, I'm 23. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I've loved my career for about the last three years. And I have the opportunity (laughs) um, to go and have lunch with Miss Pat. You are lovely. And I just, I want to say that You have such deep love for your son and your family, which is amazing. Well, thank you. (laughs) So if you want to
0: angle the mic, I know it's hard to talk and look and you want to show your face. So we love you. We love you. And I have to admit, there's another uh, candidate that I met. Who is the incumbent? Shama Sawant. She was amazing, too. That was like a sister girl. Y'all were like two sister girls (laughs) up there duking it out. The guys were standing there. And I'm like, who are they? Because these women are killing it.
1: Well, I'm actually hoping we that the, the two of us make it through the primary. To so, the general I was just going to ask
0: you. Like I said, I'm not political at all. I've actually I started this show two years ago, and it was around the time when some other things were happening politically in the community, um, in the universe, and in, in, in our in our country. And I decided I'm going to be a force for good. Like that's all you can do. Like I don't watch the news, I don't you know do the politi- politics or whatever. But I'm like I want to be a force for good. Like I'm gonna, God. When I'm dead and gone, God's going to say well done, right? I, I'm going to do my part to change the world to, to, and, and to help others to do the same. And so um, I don't really know much about politics, self-admittedly so. So tell the audience, I think we wanted you on today. I had another guest planned for today, and I since I produced the show, I get to decide who comes on when. And she's a lovely lady, and she needed more time anyway. Um, she So Miss Romy, we're going to have you on for another show. She has a book launch, and I told you about it, and we were going to split the time between the two of you. And then I thought, you know, that's really not like going you know, to, provide justice to you or to the audience to really get a deep enough perspective of not only what you offer from a political perspective, but as a woman, as a mother, as a business owner, as a wife of 20, 24 year old. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. 26. Years. Oh,
1: oh, a married, wa- married. Oh, oh, for 26 years.
0: That's yep. insane. That's awesome. <laughs> so we got to talk a little bit about all these. Sure. Things. Okay. okay. So Trey John, Trey, yes. I know you spent some quality time. Mm mm-hmm with Ms. Pat. And so I will, I will curtail my excitement and some of the questions <laughs> I sent to you guys previously. And I'm going to ask you to um, either ask a question, present mm-hmm. anything you'd like to see. You know, what can we do? Again, this show is about helping people to achieve their best life, uh, helping people to achieve their dreams, lessons learned from you. So John, I'm going to allow you to. Uh, yeah,
2: of course. Um, so we spoke a little bit about your um, kind of your why your why in life, your why and your why professionally Um, and personally, why don't you give the the audience a little bit about kind of why you decided to run for Seattle Council?
1: Sure. I just feel there are a lot of people that aren't, uh, don't have a voice, aren't being listened to. Mm -hmm. There are many people in Seattle that Uh, either individually or as part of a neighborhood group are suing the city Mm -hmm. to have them do the right thing that they failed to do to begin with. Really? Yes. And I think neighborhoods should have a voice. We're the taxpayers. We have a right right to determine our destiny of our own neighborhoods. And our neighborhoods are not the playthings of big developers from other states or countries. I just love how
0: you talk. <laughs> First she said Seattle was a hot mess. I don't know if I agree with that, but again, I'm not into the politics. I actually love the city of Seattle, Do I think there's opportunities. There's so many people talking about the opportunities. I actually met the mayor, and I invited her on the show, and she was happy to do so. Um, and I was so excited because I went to this community... Um, Forum that she was at. Mm-hmm. And she was saying all the right things. And I was like, all right, sister girl, do your thing. Um, and long story short, so I, I just got a, we just got a ring-a-ding-ding sign from Mike. So apparently we mm-hmm. have Trajan. I'm going to let you finish this call. Mike, I don't know if you can just give us a three shot. Mike said, I he's not moving. Okay, because he's got video and audio to do. So mm-hmm. we're going to let you finish answering the questions. But what I thought was interesting is people say the right thing sounds like they're not doing the right that's thing right. is that is that the case absolutely we're going to give the mayor a chance to come on and talk about what she's doing because it sounds like there's progress happening you know like uh, like talk to me like what's well, happening what's, big, what's going a on a
1: big thing is our homeless population we have economically homeless sleeping in cars or couch surfing and then we have a huge population that are either suffering from mental illness and or drug addiction they're living in tents or rvs sometimes sheds i don't think that's any way to live either but um they've uh, the conditions in the tents and RVs are so vile that if I let my dogs live that way, I'd be arrested for animal cruelty. So how is it that we let humans live that way? And um, w- we think we're making progress because they change the one-night count of those that are homeless. They stop counting the people that are living in the sheds. So I, I think it's very um, deceiving what's going on, and we need to know the truth, and we need to move back the tent flap, open the RV door— and find out what people need to get their lives back in order.
0: All righty. Wow. <laughs> I love everything about you. So someone's calling in. It might be okay. your husband. It might be your son. We're okay. going to let Trey John is actually working both angles. He's okay. he's helping to d- direct and, and, and manning the phones and loving up co-hosting. <laughs> so he's doing all kind of things here. So uh, tell us a little bit more about Pat. Pat the woman who's been married for 27 years and pat the mother like what would pat want to tell the world about your purpose what is your destiny what is your mission your personal goal in life
1: well as i was telling trey i have a personal tagline i use when i send emails out and it is have a day that makes a difference Mm. And I I mean that genuinely. I started that years ago. I was on the board of directors of uh, PEPs, which is a program for early parenting support. And I love that organization. Um, I participated as a member of a, a parents group for, well, we, we kept meeting until our kids were in middle school, you know, at least once a year, uh, this group of wonderful families. And then I was a volunteer group leader and I was on the board of directors. Well, when I was on the board, everybody would end their emails with, have a nice day, have a nice day, have a nice day. I go, that's so shallow and meaningless. <laughs> and so I came up with my own tagline, have a day that makes a difference, because that's why we were on the board. We were trying to help other parents get the support it. they need, right? So that's that's how I try to live my life.
0: I love that. <laughs> and, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I started the first show two years ago because I was writing a book by the same title, right? Our Journey, Our Dreams, The Art and Science of being aware and getting there. It was a forcing function every first and third Saturday. I was interviewing people. So the book is done, basically. I feel like the Lord is telling me to, you know, So I just got it's on the shelf at this point (laughs) because now I'm writing book number two, which is focused on bigger than me, and I'm building on those same principles. Bigger than me is about community. It's about relationships, and so the first book was around, you know, like those core principles around being successful. And so you just you just nailed one of them. So when you talk about being intentional, make a uh, have a day that makes a difference. That that makes a difference. So one of the principles that we talk about in book number one, which we can have pulled into book number two because we're building on top of those, is be intentional. Like be very clear what your purpose is in life or for that day and like do that thing, like make a difference every day. So, Oh, I didn't mention this. I started a, um, (laughs) when I left corporate America, um, uh, I started a consulting company called made it now. And it's making a, it's an acronym made it making a difference every day through information, technology, intentional thinking and something that I Uh, a phrase that I created called intuitive theatrics, right? And I trademarked that uh, phrase and we'll talk about that on another show. But this concept of making a difference every day, it's important. Being intentional every day. So what are you intentional about? When you woke up this morning, when you woke up, you know, uh, when you wake up Monday, so you got a new fresh week ahead of you, what are you going to be intentional about?
1: Well, right now I'm intentional about trying to win the primary election. Okay. Because I genuinely believe... I will work the hardest and do the most to benefit the most people mm. in my district and in the city. So um, that's where my focus is right now. I'm I'm working until 2 or 3 in the morning, getting a few hours of sleep and starting over again. Um, but prior to that, um, I think I made a huge difference um, in raising my son, in impacting the other s- kids at his school. Um, I've made a difference in the nonprofits I volunteer for. And even in work, uh, my husband and I are very dedicated to our clients. We try to give them good service and make sure their computers are working well, their network is working well, and do it for a reasonable cost and not gouge our, our customers. And we... Spend their money as though it's ours. We're very Ooh, frug- love we're frugal. That. With with uh, we
0: spend, and I'm writing book number two. Uh, so okay. everything that happens on the show, I was, I'm feverishly always taking notes. So I see there's a caller on the show. So I'm gonna have Miss Pat. You see that sign right there. Yeah. I'm gonna have you tell our listening audience what number they can call. So the two nine, the 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 one with the two nine eight in eight eight eight, eight two nine eight, KKNW. Okay, where is? The- <laughs> oh, so there's a yellow sign. Oh, down I so yes. Yeah, oh, see- actually, hold on. <laughs> Trey John is here. Trey, well, hello there. But well, you can't talk until you. He wants you to get over to the mic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is like, get over there, stop playing. He knows we're all shenanigans. So, Trey John,
2: yeah. What do you have on the phone? So on the phone we have Allison. She's calling in from Seattle. Um, Pat, she actually has a couple of questions for you in regards to homelessness.
0: Ooh. Sure. And your position on that? Okay. Allison. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me okay? We can. Allison, I'm so glad to have you call. Oh, so, thank so you. So I'm Tracy Harrell. This is Bigger Than Hi, Me. We're, we're here to change the world. And again, this is not a political show, but we invited someone who's running for city council, and we want to give it to her good, Allison. No, I'm just joking. No, <laughs> no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I love this moment. I do. So what is no. your question? What is your position? Awesome. Yes, please uh, join the conversation.
3: Oh, well, fantastic. Thank you. Um, I actually work downtown, okay. and I, I take light rail, and I go down to the light rail and take down. Um, so I, I see a lot of the homelessness when I'm just traveling to work downtown, and it's it's just heartbreaking. It really is because you you see like a perfect cocktail of oftentimes young people, people who have um, mental issues. You know, they're they're just they're it's just heartbreaking. And um, I just wanted to hear from Pat what her thoughts are for you know, near-term and longer-term paths to, you know, um, helping out, you know, to speed the, the the path of homelessness that we see right now. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, a lot of the problem you see in the downtown streets um, are related to drugs and drug transactions, unfortunately. Yeah. And we have to help these folks. It, it's not in their best interest to be on these drugs, Um uh, I carry a naloxone kit with me everywhere I go. I'm prepared to save a life if somebody's overdosed, but uh, now even naloxone isn't working up in Canada. People are dying. They've come into safe injection sites, they get the uh, naloxone, and they're transported to hospital and die anyway. So it's, it's critical that we get people into residential treatment. We cannot expect them to be treated, go back to a tent or RV that is just rat infested, literally and and succeed. So we've got to do more for these folks and help them. Uh, and one of my ideas is to start a, a volunteer mentoring program similar to the CASA program, uh, which looks out for the best interests of a child that's going through the juvenile court system, whether it's a custody hearing uh, for their parents or maybe a child who's gotten into trouble with the law. So I'd like to see a mentor guide folks with either the drug or the mental health issue, provided they're not violent, of course through the um, mm-hmm. services and um, help them get the housing, um, the, the assistance and the help that they need, because they are in no way capable of navigating them that on their own. I love that. Uh, so then we also have economic homeless, and we just need to help them immediately. Housing vouchers, job counselors, caseworkers. And I don't know why the city doesn't do it. They'd like to spend a lot of money on overhead and not much on results. Mm.
3: <laughs> Do you mind if I ask a follow-up question, is it, Allison? Okay? I would
0: be disappointed if you didn't. We are so <laughs> excited to have you as a part of this conversation. Oh, Did I mention I'm not political? Me. So I don't actually have a position, except you know, a prayer. I'm going to pray for all oh, of those. a
3: prayer exactly. Um, right. We will Let's pray, pray, pray for Let's
0: the city before this is over. Figure yes. out how to fix it. Yeah. So
3: my my follow-up question is: This has been such an, an intractable issue relative to getting. Um, traction, if you will, and measurable outcomes. So how would you measure or get, you know, to track how the performance of any type of effort would be tracked and measured to see how are we progressing? How are we succeeding? What do we need to, you know, double down on and fix or, you know, recheck, if you will? What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I've, we need one coordinated database, and I think the navigation teams have those now, but uh, in the past, twenty different agencies could interact with a person for a short period of time, and we don't know what the interaction was, what the results were, et cetera. So, we need that information is confidential, but needs to be shared with with trusted agencies, with the navigation team, and track the success or failure of a person to get back on track. We're funding now 138 agencies. So wow. that's money going into overhead to six-figure executive director salaries. How many? 138. Um, How many? That's, that's overhead salaries, rent, utilities, you name it. And nothing is trickling.
0: 138 agencies that are focused on addressing the homelessness issue in Seattle. Yeah, right. And nothing's trickling down to the clientele
1: that need the help. So we need to figure out which five or six agencies are doing the right thing and actually producing results. Fund those agencies and go forward from there. So um, uh, some people have called it a indu- uh, homelessness industrial complex and gotten criticized for it. But heavens to Betsy, um, uh, sometimes I think we'd be better off just putting all the money in a helicopter and dropping it over the tent encampments. Um, <laughs> it uh, well and and. I know that wouldn't work either, but I mean, heaven—we just have to um, look people in the eye and give them the services that they need. And we're not—we're not following the recommendations of Barbara Poppy's report regarding addressing the homelessness issue. And unfortunately, her report did not use the word drug or addict. And and we're never going to get our arms wrapped around this problem unless we admit there's a drug epidemic taking place. What was the name you just mentioned? Barbara Poppy, P-O-P-P-E. She was. She was hired by the city uh, as an expert to do an Mm -hmm. analysis of our homelessness issue. And she made specific recommendations of how to proceed and how to end the homelessness crisis. Mm -hmm. And the city has failed to follow those mandates or those uh, recommendations. And if you watch
0: the mind-numbingly dull uh, budget hearings that, of the city council, <laughs> that you, I've actually been to a city council meeting. It was pretty short. <laughs> I thought it was. I mean, like I said, I'm 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 a bit of an optimist. Uh-huh. So, but it, 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 power it, to the people. The, the, <laughs> the, the, bu-
1: the budget hearings are exceptionally boring. But anyway, but they, they there would be this kind of shotgun approach where each council member wanted to fund this nonprofit or that uh, that issue or whatever, and there wasn't a cohesive. Um, uh, connection to the plan and say, I want to fund this organization because they will address this mm. line item in Barbara's report. There was no connection between the two. So, unless we're going to follow her recommendations, which were nobody has said they're not valid or sound, then why did we spend
0: $300,000? Let's follow mm. the recommendations and make progress. Well, I can tell you, I will, I, this is not a political show. I'll say that again. But I will be inviting uh, Bruce Harrell onto the show. We're not related. I do know a friend of a friend. He's like an amazing person. Uh, He's well known in the community. So I'll be inviting him on the show and, and be happy to ask the question and I'll ask others. I actually met with um, a few of the other council people as well. So I'll actually be bringing them, inviting them on to talk about it. Definitely plan to have the mayor on as well. I just kind of feel like I need to educate myself a little bit more well, I, so I, I know hope, what to ask. So hope, uh, this is
1: great. Jenny shows up for you because she's failed to come to a community meeting she's been invited to in, in
0: our community. So, oh, um, in the I, CD? Don't hang up, Allison. We love you. Yes. Don't hang up. So I'm just going to peel back the onion on that one a little bit. Tell me more. I met her at a a community forum and she was I got to tell you, she was representing. I I don't know this mayor, but as far as the sister girl standing up with bullets going, coming firing from every (laughs) angle, she was I mean, she looked like she was trying to um, address the issue. She wasn't letting her people take any, you know, blame. She was standing up and taking blame and some credit. Like you said, they talked about some numbers that were changing. I'll be sure to ask her about if, if measures have changed. But I mean, I was actually kind of impressed. And then as I was leaving, I connected with five different people, and they were like brutal. So again, we got to figure it out. <laughs> so, uh, so w- were you going to say something else about um, well, about we, this report? Has anyone challenged them? Like, when people ask the question, you can't be the first who said this. No, what's I'm not. the response?
1: I don't think they really respond. They kind of uh, dodge the the issue or the question of why they're not making progress and. Why they're not uh, following Barbara Poppy's recommendations? Huh.
3: Uh, so I, I I don't know who Barbara Poppy is. So I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that she's a subject matter expert on this area. She is. But one one of the things that what I'm hearing and what I'm what I'm what I'm seeing over the years that I've seen this problem escalate and grow and not not you know curtail, if you will, is is there doesn't seem to be any ownership of a A wrapper, and it's a complex problem. I get that, but um, if we don't, if we can't define the problem, if we can't measure our efforts, then we have a hard time describing what success looks like. Right. So, I think the biggest thing from a community perspective that I'm hearing, and from my my take on it, is um, we need to define some common, uh, define the scope of the problem, and then also define um, what what success might look like even in small steps and then kind of build out from there. Small steps measured by what efforts are currently in play, what, what's in plan and you know what, what can we accomplish in the near term and what can we accomplish longer term and have a report card of, of sorts to say these are the metrics we're going to report out on and this is how we're going to say if we're successful or if we need to tweak other areas that, you know, as we progress down this path. Because right now, throwing millions and millions of dollars out there and not having any metrics to measure outcomes is just, I think, a recipe for growing a cottage industry without having any um, any help for the people that actually need the help the most, you know. So that's, that's a, it's a myth. So I'm hoping... Uh, between Pat, you and others, you know, other innovative thinkers who are thinking about the space, that we can kind of navigate that to where are some common metrics so that we're not arguing about the numbers persistently and we just say, hey, these are the things we're gonna we're gonna ch- check off our list. We're gonna keep going on this punch list and figuring it out, right? And I'd like to move past the point where we're arguing about what it is we're solving and how we're measuring success. So that's that's probably important an important thing for me as a voter to figure out um, who's on point as a candidate to, to define that space. Does that make sense?
0: It, it, Allison, first of all, I'm going to give her a chance to answer that question before you hang up. I'm going to have Trey go back into the control room or at some point we got to have you call back in. I want to personally get your email and your phone number for follow-ups because <laughs> that's very comprehensive um, again, I'm not political, so I love people to I'm call either, in. No. Well, you're connected. You're you you thought about this more than I have because I've kind that's, of, tr- you know, prayer meditation. It's
3: a huge problem for our city. So right, like, and, and, and I live really in Bellevue.
0: Mine. Like I said, I'm disconnected from it. I don't see it every day. Right, yeah. I live in Bellevue on the other side. I, have a, I live in my secret garden, basically. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I'm going to Seattle to volunteer for SCORE and help people with their businesses. But I gotta admit, it I haven't I have. I have not the the same experience that you've had so again no matter what happens call back and make sure you give us your phone number and email not for public use but for mine because i definitely yeah definitely happy to do that so i'm going to recap what i heard her say miss miss pat putting you on the spot so she said there seems to be no ownership we need to measure the problem define the scope and and take small steps measured by right to, to determine you know how we're making progress and to accomplish the goal tell me what your thoughts are what are you specifically going to do
1: Well, I agree. And the city has to be uh, forthright about uh, what has and has not worked and admit where the failures are and then take action to correct those mistakes. And uh, again, like I said, assess and audit the nonprofits that are being funded. And if they're not producing results, then I'm sorry. It is time to to stop funding them. And I know that's going to be hard for some people. We're going to have... Couple of people that might be out of a job because they haven't produced results, and it's more than just walking up to the tents and saying, "Hey, how are you doing today?" That that that's not worth funding. <laughs> What's worth funding is, "Hi, how are you doing today?" These are the services that are available to you. How can we get you into those services? Um, and I, I don't know that that's always happening, right? And then and then people need different services. People are at different stages of their depths of despair, and the longer we leave them without that human connection, the worse the problem gets. They may um, develop deeper uh, psychoses. They may have additional diseases. Well, I was going
0: to ask you about mental health. That's a huge part of this show is this concept of mental health and making sure that we're investing in uh, the changing the, the the stigma around mental health for right. our community, but for everyone in general. And, and we know that some percentage, I don't know if you know this, but there's a huge percentage of people that are homeless that have some type of mental health. Right. Uh, do you know anything about that? What's happening today? What are your thoughts and what well, are you going to do about
1: it? Well, I don't know what percentage actually has a mental health problem, but let's we, we can assume that anybody that's addicted to drugs has some sort of mental health problem and that the drugs make them feel better. But here's the part of the problem that I have with how the city is just letting people um, consume, sell uh, illicit drugs without uh, any kind of consequences on our streets. Back in the 60s and 70s, when black people were addicted to crack or cocaine, they were arrested left and right, went to prison. Some are still in prison today. And now that it's primarily white people, it's a mental health problem. Well, I'm sorry, but it was a mental health problem back then. And I think we need to do more. We need to be expunging uh, criminal records Mm. as long as somebody wasn't a dealer. Dealers, I would uh, really do need to face the, the, the law. But anybody that just consumed or had a small quantity needs to have their records expunged so that they can get on with their lives. It's hard for them to get bank loans, get into housing, get jobs. Um, so I think that would be a huge help uh, to society as a whole that we 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 now know yes it's a mental health issue um, and then help people with that mental health problem what what is so painful that they feel that they have to escape from the world using drugs and some of them
0: some now pe- we don't we don't want to also right. want imply that everyone who's homeless is using drugs oh not at all so no, just want yeah. to but, clarify that point
1: uh, well and just so so people listening know people that are economically homeless tend to either couch surf or sleep in their cars. They're not doing drugs. They're just trying to get a, a better job, better paying job, or, or maybe they're unemployed, but they're just trying to get their lives back in order. That's why I said those people need housing vouchers, counselors, um, and, uh, uh, uh help with, with finding a job. People in the tents and RVs, um, for the most part are addicted to drugs or are involved in that culture. And, um, Some of them are meth labs. Some of those RVs are where they're cooking meth. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of them are being used for prostitution. So everybody, we have to look each person in the eye, figure out what their situation is to solve the problem, not just blanket uh, and and assume
0: everybody's the same. Okay. It's a complex problem. It's a complex problem. (laughs) And it looks like we have someone else on the phone, but before that person comes on, again, this show is, we don't have anyone on the phone. Okay. So before... um, I know we said potentially your husband or your son might call in. And when that happens, we're going to jump right okay. to that call. But we also talked about you as a businesswoman. I said I wanted to bring you on to really talk about how our listening audience um, can learn from some of the things that you've done in your life. And one of them we talked about um, you've been married for 26 six years, mm-hmm. 26 years. Right. That is quite an accomplishment. Tell us. How did you do, and when you talk about your husband, you're just smiling and giggly like a new, newlywed. How, like, how did you make that work? Like, what's, what are your tips for those who aren't married, who are struggling? Uh, what words of wisdom would you share? Like, what makes it work for you, for you, you two?
1: Well, I'd say be uh, extremely fussy and, and um, really think about what's important. So I used to be really attracted to tall guys, athletes, or whatever. My husband's actually a little shorter than I am. And I, as I uh, grew up and I was in my 30s, I realized uh, what was really important, and that is um, the, the character, the, the quality of the, the person mm. that you're in a relationship mm. with, somebody that's honorable, somebody that's honest, somebody that you respect and they respect you, uh, sharing common interests. Um, having a similar life plan; those are, are the things that that make a difference. And I genuinely enjoy my husband. I enjoy spending time with him.
0: Imagine and- that! <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy spending time with your husband. I do. I love. So you are you best friends.
1: I'd say so, yes. I, I, he doesn't really have a lot of friends or much of a social life outside of me, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're his best friend, whether yes, he qualifies as yes. yours. I'm but, just joking. Well, no, but uh, in, ter- <laughs> in terms of who I would want to do something with, he's number one on my list, obviously. And that's so, yes, awesome. I do consider him my best friend. I know he has my back all the time.
0: So, wow, that that's huge. Know. That is huge. So what happens when things get tough? I'm sure he gets on your nerves sometime. I'm from the South, so that's how we speak. I'm sure he aggravates you. When you guys argue, how do you get past it? Well, honestly, we don't argue very often. Get out of town. Well, we work together all day. We better not argue. <laughs> much. So we have to okay, get Okay, this is a miracle relationship <laughs> right here. They don't argue. We'll have other people on who can help us figure out what to do. Actually, let me just tell you what I've been doing. Okay. Have you ever heard of a book called Nonviolent Communication? No, I haven't. That sounds interesting. Though. It's by Marshall Rosenberg. He is absolutely amazing. We're actually going to have um, several shows on this concept as it relates to relationships and connecting with people. I had a lot of work to do, even as it related to my my own personal leadership style. I learned that, uh, you know, PM, I have two master's level degrees, so, you know, and I'm fast and I'm moving quick and MBA so I kind of know what's supposed to be happening you can't rush people right is one of the things I learned and, and when, you, when you make a request to people by the way um, it needs to be a request not a demand and I thought I was requesting but he actually clarified the difference between a request and a demand is what happens when someone doesn't do what you say I can be very nice with the request, but I actually expect you to do what I say. Right. That's a problem. Okay. I just learned that. <laughs> so uh, it, it affects relationships. It affects it leadership. It affects all those things. So are you trying to tell me you and he have had no disagreement? Well, what about have, even uh, raising your amazing son? Uh no, come we, on, we, Pat. You're gonna have to give me something. We, we're gonna we, pause. We have, and, We <laughs> no, no, no. You are not gonna tell me you've been married for 26 years. We have had disagreements. I about, would love about to hear things. how you resolve. Well, them. we talk to each other and oh, communication. Yes, yes, we do. And so
1: <laughs> one time, um, there was a study we were participating in at the University of Washington, and and it had to do with um, uh, your your children. And they uh-huh. brought us in for an interview, and even after it was over with the Person who was monitoring it goes, man, I've never seen a couple talk with each other the way the two of you talk.
0: So tell us. Well, so listen, this show, Jesus, this show is this show is actually about helping people mm-hmm. to again bridge the gap between where they want to be and where they are. So mm-hmm. someone said to you, I've never seen someone talk the way you talk. Right. Be specific. Tell us what you're doing that perhaps other people in other relationships are not doing. Like, what don't we know? Because being married for 26 years and barely having arguments, you got to tell us some more about well, that.
1: Well, I think that we both genuinely respect and admire each other. Mm. That we have, uh, in working together, we both have different strengths, right? He's he's more the person that does the networks. I'm more the person that takes care of the workstations or the accounting package or the, the data manipulation. So we... Focus on two different areas within the business and and provide great service to um, our customers. Um, I he's a, he, he's quite brilliant in what he he does with regard to to networks and things. Um, but I'm I'm more of the person that's um, uh, determined. Or uh, at, at the 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 Seattle medium uh, just endorsed me and said I was feisty. I, I guess that's <laughs> a, that's a good word for me. I'm feisty. I like feisty. So for example, we. <laughs> We had a a person that was doing uh, cabling for us, for our customers, to put in Ethernet cable. And uh, at the last minute on a um, Friday evening, Mm -hmm. and Monday was a holiday, he canceled on a job that was supposed to happen on Wednesday. And not only was it supposed to happen on Wednesday, but somebody from that company was flying in from California to Mm -hmm. be there for the installation. And now we have no cabler and i told my i found somebody to mm-hmm, to do the mm-hmm. job but i told my husband i said this is never going to happen to us again and i took the test and i'm now a telecom administrator and a contractor cuz <laughs> thank you
0: so i just i i just you make it happen i do yeah whatever it takes i i do make it happen so i yeah. i love that i love that i'm going to actually stay focused cuz i actually thought of someone I think I mentioned to you I'm having a tenant landlord situation oh, right now. Uh-huh. Um, we found do- toxic black mold in <gasps> my in my home um, from a leaky fridge that should have been replaced five years ago. And there's just so much shenanigans. Um, and I only say that to say in that process I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, so first of all, my garden is so beautiful. So I've been spending tons of time outside. They've closed off my my kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. But I met a man throughout that process as a referral through Tabor One Hundred. Who his name is Lynn Can? Or this is his business name is Lynn Can, and basically he kind of has that same mentality with this contractor company, contracting company builds multi-million dollar homes, and he's in my house actually helping me with a mold, you know, situation, and it's a big deal. It's a right, huge yes. deal. This is like life or death. I've been having these medical issues, and um, I have like. Asthma, COPD, never smoked. Mm-hmm. And I have lupus. Like, I have, like, a compromised immune system. I can't be breathing, you know, black toxic mold. And I have a, a, a um uh, I just was concerned, right, that people were not looking out for my best interest, especially when I feel like I was deceived several times, et cetera. But then I meet this guy, Lynn Can, who basically had that exact same attitude. So he had this, like, I got you. Like, if I can't do it, he had, he had mold experts. I found someone else, but we... First, before I before I met him, but that attitude you can't you can't like you can't train that. You maybe you can I, th- I think I think you can help people understand the value. But this concept of being for your person, you were invested in that client. You said, "I am not going to let that person fail." I feel like this man is saying, "I'm not going to let you die in that house." Basically, we're going to work it out. We're going to figure it out. And he's working with you know all kinds of elements. But that means so much to me. Like I sleep at night like a baby. Right. It's just knowing that someone's on my team who cares. So it sounds like you and your I.T. business, which I need you to say the name of it. I need you to tell people what you do. Um, I'm going to have Lynn on the show another time. So we'll talk more about Lynn. But I just wanted you to know that I I feel what you just said. It connected with my heart because you're like, I'm not going to let this person, my this client. Like not. It's going to be successful and you're going to do everything you can to make it happen. To have this man, his business is called Lynn Can construction look him up he's like won the governor's award the best contractor in the in the country again he's an amazing person a christian man basically just like you well
1: thank you he's
0: gonna make it happen and so i connected with him immediately uh, people that he's brought into my home when i connected with you and i hear you talk about the work that you're doing uh, and how you care about people it matters so so what advice would you tell other business people to to just have a little bit of this land can this Pat can what's the name of your company how do how, well, first I need the advice part to to people who are watching, it's important right your people matter your clients matter, what would you what advice would you tell people who are just in business to make money?
1: Well, I we're. Successful, and we've been doing IT for over thirty years, both my husband and I. And it sounds very nerdy, but we we met at a computer show back in the eighties at the University of Washington. And we're not nerdy people, but that's how we met. And and I we we it. we knew a third company, and and so a bunch of us went out for dinner. And then we, my husband and I, uh, before we even really started dating, we would do things together, like go on a ski trip with a group of people or whatever. And um, so then after we got married, we merged our companies into one. And the, the name is Network Support Group. We have an office down in Georgetown. Uh, we have clients that have been with us for decades because wow. we treat them like their family. They're very important to us. I mean, one time um, somebody's st- uh, new server was unstable, and my husband chose to stay behind in Seattle and babysit that server while my son and I went on vacation to Hawaii because the tickets were already paid for and la la la, but that's the level of dedication wow. we have to our clients, is that he stayed behind and made sure that they didn't have a crash, that they were functional, because that business depends 100% on having that network up. So um, yeah, and we're di- we have a different model. Most yes. of our competitors are what are called MSPs, managed service providers, mm-hmm. and they literally milk six or seven clients for monthly maintenance fees. And we're an on-demand shop. You call us when there's something wrong, we fix it. And In fact, we're, we're, I love we're it. proactive. We monitor everybody's backup. And if it didn't happen the the night before, we know there's a reason. It Something's wrong. I mean, there have been times if we don't have a key to the their office, we're at the office waiting for the first person to get there. And and we say, hey, your server's down. They don't even know it yet, right? Ooh, we're, we get in there. We get, we get it back up right away for them. Yes. Um, you know, we've had several clients get hit by the um, encryption virus through their their fault, not ours. And we've had good backups. We've gotten the backup. It hasn't hurt them. They didn't have to pay the ransom. So mm. um, we treat people's businesses like they're our own businesses. And I think that's our secret to success.
0: That is so awesome. Thank Another you. <laughs> high five. You're, you're lovely. Thank you. You, you, very you much. really are. I mean, like I said, I have to keep saying I'm not political, but. You know, I want somebody on my team who working for me in city council, who has a heart like yours, a heart of service. Well,
1: and I learned it from my parents and grandparents. I, I've been volunteering since I was nine years old. Yeah. Yes. What was
0: your first volunteer opportunity? I,
1: I uh, volunteered in the public library in Anchorage. And then that year, and I was in fourth grade, I volunteered in the school library. Nice. And I love books. To this day, I just
0: my house is filled with books. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. Did I mention I've read a thousand books? Literally, and I stopped counting at a thousand because I'm like, I think that's a good, nice, round okay. number. Um, but I think that's like where we can change the world, right? You can change the world—the power of your mind, like you know, um, Wayne Dyer. You know, those individuals that talk about we can change—you know—our destiny. We right. decide, like, what you're future is you decide what your dreams are what you want to accomplish you know right by being intentional and those various things so when I think about you being a wonderful woman we've talked about your relationship communication I'm going to go back to the communication you said you were at this UW study study right. mm-hmm. and someone said I've never right. seen a couple like you two how you communicate so how are you communicating you what are you doing when you disagree? What does that process look like? What, what do you tell people? You take an ego out of it. I heard you say you respect and you care about each other. That's nice. Right. But when, when somebody's... Give me some more, Pat. Well, I think when oh. you're upset
1: with the other person, uh, we, it's important to say, I am upset because... And you talk about the, the actual reason. So we never, ever call each other names or belittle each other. So we just talk about what the... Issue
0: is. Right? That's part that's part yes. of this book I mentioned that we're gonna be talking about on another show, this concept of nonviolent communication. So he basically says it's Marshall Rosenberg, nonviolent communication. And it's not violent, it'sn't physically violent, but it's like, how do you tap into, you know, humanity? How do you tap into the humanity of the other person you're with and have a good connection and relationship? And basically he said exactly what you said. When there's a problem, he basically said we're supposed to um, identify the action. That is a challenge. How you feel when that action occurs and what needs are not being met. Not that the person made you feel that way, but you have a need that isn't being met. And he mentioned a couple of things. First of all, we never most of us don't have a good language around emotions. Like, well, how do I feel? Nor do we really tap into our needs like we don't really say that we need thing right right? and so that i think is is huge so it sounds like you guys are doing it naturally without having to work at it you're you're doing that work yes but
1: uh, along those lines of communication it it, it called to mind Mm -hmm. when my son was young um i i witnessed parents in public saying oh will you please or or how about and it's this this kind of um weak communication (laughs) with their children and when my son was little and believe me i loved him to death i never yelled at him i never ever hit him but he was very obedient because i was clear in my communication i would say i want you to pick up your room right he doesn't want to do it but i want him to do it and he would do it and then if he didn't do it right away it was an a or a B. it was you can pick up your room or the play date ends right now your choice so You know, so he would always do what I wanted him to because I was very, I I gave two choices. I was clear and he knew I would follow through. And it's funny, one time we were uh, with our our, uh, parents group, the peps group. And we were at a um, we we rented a youth hostel for the mm-hmm. for the weekend um, and we did that once a year. Anyway, the one evening the parents were going, it's time for go to go to bed. Hey kids, you need to go to bed. I mean, this went on for maybe about a half hour to forty five minutes. And <laughs> my, neither my husband or I said you anything. Were like... No, neither of them said anything. And finally, I, I just said bed, and I clapped my hands, and they, they all six or seven boys <laughs> jump up and they go into the room and start putting on their pajamas. And the other parents go, how did you do that? And I said, they knew. I meant it, that if they didn't get up, I was going to start with my son. I was going to take him by the hand and lead him to the bedroom, right? They knew. And plus, I was a parent. I would always read to the kids. So they knew if if I said go to bed, you know, Pat's going to read to us. We're in our pajamas and in bed. She's coming in. So anyway, yeah, I just had more. I I have a commanding way about me sometimes when I need it. So,
0: yeah, but I I was always clear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well he he talks about that too. He talks about being very again we'll we'll bring Marshall Rosenberg back in on another day um but he talks about that too being very clear what you want um and and allowing people the grace to choose right I love you <laughs> so thank you, you this is like <laughs> you you basically just did exactly what I'm doing in my two books. Like, this book is it's an anthology, right? It's a collection of, of wisdom from books and research. But then it's people who are doing it. So you're basically doing exactly what he says. And this was not planned, by the way. I'm just doing research from other shows. And then, you know, I have these conversations. And my brain allows me to draw connections from, like, a thousand different books to say, oh, by the way, there's research that says that's exactly what you should be doing. Now, what works for you may not work for someone else. But what I love about you, this is three things. I'm a southern girl. Oh, my God, it's 353. Can you believe? It's no, 353? I can't. Oh, my God, it's been a great conversation. OK, first of all, we have to talk about your. Um, uh, thank you for that. We'll, we'll bring you back another time. Okay, This is, this is good. So is there anything you want to say to your constituents? Um, anything you want to say to people? We have five minutes, according to Mike. I'm going to give you two of them and then okay. we're going to come back to your son, who's an AMT, because I don't want to like take I, I need to make sure okay. we talk a little and, bit about and, and him. And he's
1: a paramedic now. He was an
0: EMT. He's, oh, I don't he's know, moved on. We'll okay, okay. Okay.
1: So very uh, quickly. Yes. I genuinely care about not just the the city as a whole, but about the individuals that live in Seattle uh, and my community. I've been engaged for a long time. I've um, I'm currently the in my tenth year as president of the South Seattle Crime Prevention Council, and we don't just have meetings and bring in guest speakers. We've taken action when a community is under siege. For example, um, a neighborhood with a lot of residential. Um, uh, apartments and homes. There were raves going on in there and people were literally uh, kept awake with rattling windows from 830 to about four or five in the morning. Yep. All night long. And so I took proactive steps and got that stopped in short order. So I'm about producing results, not just talking about things. I don't just stir the soup. I'm going to serve it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I um, I have the strongest background of any of the candidates I'm running against. I've uh, in 2006, I stopped then Mayor Nichols from declaring all of Southeast Seattle blighted. He was right. doing it so his developer buddies could buy properties at a wow. discount. and he was targeting primarily immigrant property owners. and that was their life savings in those wow. that 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 the property. and they took a risk because it was a sketchy neighborhood at the time. it's It's definitely coming up. Mm -hmm. The properties are worth so much more than what they would have ever gotten for Mm -hmm. them under a blight designation. Um, I have an MBA. I've even taught accounting courses. So I want to be on the finance committee, which is both finance and neighborhoods, because I love neighborhoods. I love people and community. (laughs) But I want to audit our city budget. And there is bloat and waste. I'm going to identify it and redirect it to the programs that we need to fund, such as helping people that are living
0: on our streets. I love it. I love you so much. So now we have two minutes left. I just want to talk about your son. So tell us about him. He's an EMT, paramedic. He's working full-time. By the way, she showed me her phone. What was his grades this term? He's a full-time student.
1: Yeah, and he was taking uh, five classes. He had straight A's. Well, one of them was an (laughs) A-minus. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Proud mom, so you're doing something right. And he's a he's serving. Right, he's he's saving lives every day right. and risking his life in the process. So what's the difference between an EMT and a paramedic? Tell us something. Uh, now you're going to help educate our audience okay. around parenting. Okay.
1: Well, a paramedic is uh, yes. the next level up after an EMT. Okay. They have more advanced training. They know how to do um, uh, leads so that they can monitor the mm. the uh, your heart, mm-hmm. etc. And you know, he's, he's 24, but sometimes he's, he, he reminds me when he was a little kid, he gets really excited. So a couple of times since he's been a paramedic, he's called me and he goes, Mom, I was called to pick up somebody that had died, and I revived them and took a live person to the hospital.
0: And he's just so happy that he Oh, my God. He, he does that. I yeah. love it. So we're going to have to have him on. <laughs> okay. We, we're going to bring you back. We're going to have him on. I have two minutes okay. left. And what i like to do at the end of the show, since this has just been it's the fastest hour of my life, Oh, thank you. This is my personal ministry. Like I literally do this work specifically because it's my calling. It's exactly what I was meant to do. Um, the books and the radio show and the community work and all this. It's it's my purpose in life. Um, and having people like you on is just such a pleasure. It's such a joy. And so the last couple of minutes, at least the last minute, what I like to do is something called surrender and soar. So it's just kind of like that little moment where you get to kind of recap for the listening audience. What are those final words that you would share with someone who might need to be uplifted, who who would want to learn from your life, your life lessons? Um, what are some of the what is the final words you would like to share uh, to uplift, encourage, empower our listening audience?
1: Well, I've I've had some personal struggles that would take too long to uh, we'll bring talk you about back. now, but um, just minute. have uh, faith in yourself. Um, realize that. Things can get better, even when they they seem the most dire and dark. And um, do something for someone else. That will help you get mm. out of your own head. And when you see how you've Im- positively impacted someone else, I think you'll feel a lot better about yourself. And you never know who you might meet on that journey as you help other people.
0: Oh, my God, I love you. That is the perfect way to end, everyone. This is Miss Pat. Say your last name.
1: Murakami. And you're running for? Seattle City Council District 3.
0: All right. This is Tracy Harrell with Bigger Than Me. And again, go. What did you say, Pat? What was your closing to your emails?
1: Have a day that makes a difference.
0: There you go.